Welcome back to the podcast. Something a bit different today. Uh, I thought we'd go for an interview. Uh, this is one I recorded with Andre Becker um, a while ago. Andre is uh, an amazing age group athlete. Uh, he was ranked number one uh, for Ironman 70.3 uh, just before COVID struck. Uh, he's been a professional cyclist. Um, he's got a really interesting backstory, and you know he's really like focused in terms of mindset. And I think uh, we can all learn a lot from Andre. Uh, he is also the coach at Fifth Dimension Coaching. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes, so you can go and check him out as well. Um, but yeah, I think actually let's just cut the nonsense and let's get stuck into the chat with Andre. Today I'm joined by Andre Becker. Uh, while racing, Andre dominated his age group, uh, posting times that actually defy his age. Uh, it ranks first in the world uh, for Ironman 70.3 in 2018. And um, your Ironman times weren't too shabby either, were they? Welcome to the show, Andre. Thank you for having me. So, Andre, you're now coach with Fifth Dimension. And I counted uh, when I was stalking you that um, there were 17 Ironman wins. I believe you actually had a couple of course records at Buffalo. Uh, uh, yes, I have. Yes, I have, and it's 18 to be correct. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it, it might be really hard for the 18th one. And I also noticed when you had a bad race, you came in like six or something. So you know, I think it's fair to say that you, you've had a, you had a pretty good uh, age group um, career there. Yes, I have. Yes, I've been fortunate. Thank you. So I want the first question I wanted to you know ask you really is um, you were um, a pro cyclist, so you had some really good stage wins. Um, you know you enjoyed a, a, a good career there. But what got you into triathlon? Uh, I started triathlon before I cycled. I started cycling, and um, one of the guys that I saw, uh, did the triathlon with, he said the only way for us to improve us are. Triathlon is we have to go race with the pro bike riders and with the, the, the elite bike riders, uh, as it was called then. And I found myself racing on the track. I found myself doing everything that a cyclist did and um, to try and become a better triathlete. And the result was I actually enjoyed the cycling more than, than the triathlon and spent the best part of the next 10, 12 years just cycling. And when I stopped cycling, I studied a bit and uh, started swimming with my kids. And people said, you should be doing triathlon. And I said, yeah, but I did that 20 years ago, you know. Um, and the more I started swimming, the more people said, let's do open water swims. And we started doing open water swims. And the next minute, I started running again. And the next minute, people go, Yo, you should be doing this. And I thought, this should be good fun. You know, and I started doing triathlons literally 20 years later again for the second time. So if, if, if you kind of like had the benefit of, um, you know, years of training and things, but if you could roll the, roll the, the clock back, I mean, what a piece of advice would you give yourself uh, with the wisdom you have now when you're starting out? Oh, that's very difficult. Uh, you know, we, we, I come from a, a, a very politically driven background from, in the South African context, we were banned from racing in Europe um, because of apartheid and all the lovely stuff that goes with it. And I was one of the first, in actual fact, the very first uh, uh, contingent of South African pros that could race in Europe. And, you know, if it's, it's not a, um, so much advice that I could give myself. If, if, if I had a choice, I would like to have been a bike rider, first and foremost, and race in Europe a lot more. 
than 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 what we had. But so uh, my best piece of it, or I, I subscribe to it, is um, just have fun. Have fun with what you do. Um, that be the first thing. Enjoy it. Then benchmark yourself. Benchmark. Uh, if you want to improve, benchmark yourself. If you don't want to benchmark, just have fun. But go out there and do things. Um, move. Is uh, move your ass. And what? So when you when you started racing uh, in Europe, I mean, what what was that like for you? It must have been you know mind blowing. You know, having a look at uh, some of those races and 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 seeing yourself against some of those other athletes. Yeah, the one minute you see them on TV, and the next minute you. You standing next to Greg LeMond and having a conversation with him, racing with Greg LeMond. It's just won the Tour de France, and um, it, it was quite something, you know, with TV cameras all over the place. And uh, literally, I was a massive Greg LeMond fan. Um, I thought he was God as far as sports went. And the next minute, here I am having a chat with him and racing with him, and he's literally holding his hand out and said, "Whatever help you need, I will help you." You know. So that was a, a, a culture shock. Um, we were a lot better than what we thought we were. We could actually race with them. And um, I raced in France with, with Greg and finished in, in the first 30 out of 80 riders in the pro peloton um, on my first big race, which, which doesn't sound all that great. But if you come from a background which is not benchmarked, and, and cycling is one of those things which unlike swimming or running, you have a benchmark, i.e. a time on a track, a time in a pool. This is a lot to do with tactics and different terrains, and you've got to apply your mind completely different than, um, than a measured sport, like um, time trialing or running races or swimming. So yes, we were good. We enjoyed it. I, I, was, I was struck in awe and really enjoyed the, the time in Europe. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned mindset there, because I think uh, one of the things that um, you've often mentioned to me when we've been, you know, sort of uh, down by the lake and things is, uh, you know, the importance of mindset. So I just wonder if you could share with with our listeners a little bit about your philosophy on, um, you know, mindset and around, you know, endurance sports. Oh, uh, my philosophy, yeah, that, that, <laughs> but back to square one, Tra train, um, you know, it's, if you think, if you're talking about uh, intervals compared to zone two or um, endurance type of training, uh, rather than intervals, I believe in the 90-10% principle, 90% of the time you're going to go aerobic and 10% anaerobic training um, for the obvious reasons. And the obvious reasons is mentally it's a whole lot easier to do the the volume, also to, to build a foundation on which you can operate. If you do a lot of high intensity training, you are gearing yourself up for, for injuries. If you spend your time um, just with a zone to easy stuff, uh, aerobic, you're building a foundation and, and everything's a pyramid, right? The bigger the foundation, the higher the pyramid. So build that foundation, make sure your system works well, your aerobic capacities and all. Um, is, is well-developed, your, your muscles, your uh, tendons, all are conditioned to a, a heavy workload, and then build up with the, with the intervals. Intervals is truly the last thing you really want to add on, uh, simply because of injuries. And as you get older, um, you know, injuries is always much more a part of the, the discussion. So do you think that's, that's probably the, one of the keys to your longevity and your consistency? Um, you know, because I mean, it's quite a, you know, your, your, your wins were over quite a, quite a good spread. You know, they weren't condensed. So is it, um, you know, 
applying that in in day-to-day training that's that helped you know i might give you the answer that you don't want to hear it <laughs> um but it's unfair my longevity is 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 not one thing but i would say this uh, my longevity is the lack of using drugs and having a clean and, and healthy lifestyle as best as i possibly could steering clear from from the the pitfalls of the pro cycling uh, world uh, if you look at the pro cyclist specifically from people that i've ridden with and have met either they landed up in rehab or died early on um they become pretty dysfunctional in society and, and it's a broad wide statement but having said that um a lot of them just can't continue at that level and their bodies can't can't deal with it if you live a healthy lifestyle neat and clean don't drink yourself to death don't smoke and don't do drugs i think you can can uh, stretch that much much longer you know also the the big issue is um the mental fatigue um one of the top pros said to me, you know, the fact that you can do the Ironman races means you didn't race hard enough as a pro bike rider. And, <laughs> and there's some truth in that. There is some truth in that because we didn't race, because I came from South Africa, raced in Europe. I raced two months a, at a year uh, in Europe where the European guys were racing six months. So um, the mental fatigue is a massive thing and uh, that really destroys your, your constitution as well. And just moving on to the training a bit slightly, I mean, how did you cope with running a business and fitting your training in yeah, and, the, and the kids uh, and life as well? How did you balance that? That wasn't so balanced. I got divorced because of the cycling. So um, it is, I, I think if you're a pro bike rider, the majority of pro bike riders I know and uh, either got divorced or just couldn't get into relationships. And if you read Jonathan Voters' book, which is the current um, director sportive for EF uh, education, there was just no place for, for relationships. So unfortunately, they, you know, those things take us a, a, a step or a second place. You know, um, I've often said to people, if you don't understand uh, single-minded dedication, you, I, I cannot explain it to you. Right, there is nothing, no definition, no way that I can explain to you what single minded dedication means. Now, single minded dedication in layman's terms means your wife, your family, your parents, the people around you all invest all their energy in your goal. Sounds awfully uh, selfish, but that's the only way Rafa Nadal got to where he is. That's the only way. Nova got to where he is. It's the only way Mark Marcus got to where he is. Michael Schumacher, and we can carry on and on. Those people are single-minded, and they, they rally everyone around them to, to support their cause. Now, obviously, in my little world, um, that didn't sit so well with my, my wife. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, geared, I'm the type of guy that needs to do three or four things at the same time. So... Training was not the only thing. I needed to study. I needed to work. I needed to do other things as well. So this part of my disposition is that I need a lot of action around me. Otherwise, life is not balanced. My balance is not someone else's balance. Quite. And, and you know, did that so? Did did that sort of um, change um, as you kind of moved into the age group side of things, away from the pro cycling? Did you, you know, did you find a, a achieve a, a better balance? No. No. Um, the answer is emphatically no. Um, I got married 
the second time and I explained to my wife and we literally had, we had to go to, to get outside help a psychologist and said, you know, this is what I do. You are going to be second in this uh, equation. And strangely, psychologist said, you know, that is the only place for you that you will fit in because that's the way Andrea's geared. And um, she said, this works for me and supported again, back to that single-minded thing. So for the best part of 10 years, I was as single-minded doing triathlon and Ironman as I possibly could. And she supported it. And I have to say, what a, what a change. What a, what a um, fantastic world when you have someone right next to you that, that lives, breathes, and does everything you do and supports you. You know, it, it makes life a lot easier. You know, that I think if, if, if you are that fortunate to have that in your life. And that would be my balance. And that would be my wife Julie's balance too. Her balance is giving her time, supporting something that, that means something to someone else. I think that's what, if you look at top sportsmen, uh, which I don't put myself in that category, but that's what people have around them. People that don't argue about the, the fact that you ride your bike for six or seven hours. You know, people that say, why don't you do a bit more? Why, why don't we help you with this? Why don't we get some outside help in? You know, I've never had that. How cool is this, you know? So the result was for 10 years, I was very, I was single-mindedly dedicated for the, towards the Ironman. And um, when I won the world champs, the first thing I did was to say thank you to Julie, because I don't think it was possible without her. So she, she's, part of your, she's part of the team at the time, isn't she? You know, she's... 100%. You need that support. Yeah, 100%. Without her, I do not believe it could have been done. So... Andre, was there a particular race that um, stood out for you that uh, as, as a favourite, you know, one that, you know, kind of you, you had to earn more than the others or, or for another reason? Winning the World Champs uh, was the race that, that stood out for me, simply because so much effort went into getting there um, and getting it done, right? And I chose the race, the World Champs, when it was in South Africa, simply because it was in South Africa and there would be a lot of support. Um, but with that comes a lot of expectations and a lot of pressure. Um, you know, if you, if you do something like that in another country, it's, it's a lot different than when you go to your backyard and say, all right, here I am. And a lot of people going, you need to do this. We expect you to do that. Well, your expectations in my reality are pretty far removed, you know? Um, so that, it was it was monumental for me simply because I don't consider myself a very talented sportsman. I have to work really hard to get to to do things, and not only hard, but I need to be um, consistently dedicated. Like I said, uh, all-consuming towards towards getting it right. And so when I did cross that line, and I knew I I was first in my age category it was a massive weight that was off my shoulders, more so than any other race, simply because of all the work. It, it's, it took me the best part of eight years to get there, to understand what was required from me physically, mentally, the support around me, what needs to be done, and then have a little bit of luck as well. You know, um, And there was no doubt that I had to have a little bit of luck um, I'm not the type of sport, sportsman that can win this thing five times in a row or, or something like that. But you're not, but um, 
hard work and when it pays off um you know if 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 ever you want to see my 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 um heart rate files for that day it's it defies logic um it it gives you a picture into someone that was possessed absolutely possessed and if you knew the chances that I took you it, it made no sense no one in were his were you topping out right sorry were you, were you topping out in places I was above my lactate threshold for the best part of four and a half hours, which anyone that was talking would tell you entirely impossible. Okay. Um, it's just not possible. And yet I did that. And I kept on thinking, you only have one shot at this. Uh, it was the first time I'd done the world champs, but this is the last time. No amount of coming back is going to to work this is it either this or you will never be able to to say that you've succeeded and so i was completely i was as mad as you're going to get you know in in terms of driven uh, you could not find a more driven person on the day um for for again the context you know um so much had gone into julia put so much into it and i looked around and everyone else's expectations were so high um that i could not let people down so yes, that unfortunately, or and when the job was done, it was like a, a bear jumped off my back. So yeah, so what what was what a way to to finish your uh, you know your 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 career on that win? Yes, it it, it was absolutely fantastic. The the bear just jumped off my back, and I did two more full Ironman races after that. Um, one again in South Africa. Which I have to honestly say, I was I, I was rather annoyed with the context of of, of the race. Um, I was in such good condition, and uh, the lightness that came with me was I could just run and I could ride my bike, and I just felt like literally ten kilograms lighter than ever before. Um, so I was in unbelievably good shape. And this was six months later. We had the uh, Africa champs in South Africa with literally half the field being Europeans coming to get the easy slot for Kona and um, they shortened the swim and I was going to break the course record now no matter how bad the condition the condition was exceptionally poor that day but I was just so good and uh, I would have broken the course record for the second time and I was really unhappy with that um, so I got to be Africa champion and then I did another race in Maryland, America, and uh, jellyfish stung me. Oh, wow. And I got a reaction and could hardly run. And it's the worst run I've, I want to say, I'd almost ever had. I literally nearly landed up in the uh, medical tent. Well, they brought a wheelchair out after the finish, ran four hours or something. But I was still first in my age category for what happened because I rode a bike of 452. 480 kilometers, which is not too bad for someone who's 56 years at that point in time. So, uh, and that's when I finished. And when I sat in the wheelchair, all I could think was, this is it. Because I wanted to to be first in my age category 18 times. I don't know where I got the number from, but 18 sounded like a good number. 20 would obviously be better, but I couldn't stretch that far. So when I ticked the box 18 times, I thought, world champion 18 times first, um, this is as good as it gets. You can go home now. So, uh, Job done. Yes, then I stopped. 
I never could engage again in anything after that. Well, you, you say you stopped, but I mean, you know, I know that you've been doing, you know, your version of relaxing and my version of relaxing are, are two very different things. I mean, you've, you've, you've been uh, attempting some outrageously crazy uh, mountain biking, haven't you? Yes. You know, I think it's, it's, for me, it's a drug. I need to calm myself down. So um, getting out outside, doing things, um, having little goals, gone are the lofty goals you know uh, it's about having the truly the fun and the, the reality of the matter is when i trained really hard for ironman and i literally did my 20 23 4 5 hour weeks week in week out i really enjoyed what i did I absolutely loved doing what i did um and often i would stop and go this is cool you know i really enjoy enjoyed it but when the pressure left me or i left the pressure behind um, I really enjoy going out there. I really enjoy riding my bike. I really enjoy going to swim in the lake. Um, and I enjoy not having pressure of any sort. So I, I, and my message to everyone else is, is get out there and do things. You know, the swimming, go swim in the lake, go ride your bike around the block, go for a run, go do the, the, the park runs. These things are unbelievably inspiring. And our good friend, Steve and myself went to Sunderland two weeks ago. We ran the park run there. And I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. I thought this is the coolest thing under the sun, you know. Um, I think once once you've adopted sport as your formal drug, then then life changes. And it is my drug of choice. You know, well, I think you've you said something really important there. I mean, you know, even with like a, a single-minded attitude and thing, you know, people forget that actually when you're in the process the, and you, you're on the drug the training drug you're enjoying that and you know it kind of it annoys me when actually i see other you know athletes where you know they are oh i've got to get this session done or you know it's like you've got to enjoy the whole journey right 100 percent, even the bad days and and i've got to i've always had this thing of being thankful for for where i am you know um, I always, it's one of the things I've always done is when I get back home, um, you know, just thinking to myself, I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to go and ride. Thankful for the run. When I go to club runs, through the park, run, often, not often, without fail, the first thing that I do when I cross the line is I go, I'm thankful for having the opportunity to be here, you know, just appreciating and respecting the, the context of, of that. So, um, I, I think if people, if they sigh because they want to, and it's a bad day, you know, a bad day is a whole lot better running around the park in the mud um, than sitting and watching TV, a whole lot better. There is just no comparison, you know. Um, I'll take the bad days any time of the day, running around in the mud and falling all over the place, as you know. Love it. Yeah. Have you, uh, were there any training sessions that like, you really look forward to? You know, so, you know, do you have a swim workout, a bike workout and a run kind of workout that were, you know, your favorite ones to do? I think the favorite ones are the ones that are the testing ones, the ones where you have to do the intervals, the ones where you go to the track and you've got eight 1,000 meters lined up and it looks like a mountain in front of you and you've got to run them consistently at a certain pace. Um, and for me, I hardly ever slept properly the night before a proper either training ride or, or run. Um, 
You know, th those things inspire you. Those are the things that keep you alive. Those are the things that keep you awake at night and go, oh my God, how am I going to do that? And halfway through that set, you go, I've got this, I've got this, you know? And when you are done, you go, this is good. This is cool. You know, that satisfaction, I don't, that's priceless. So interval sessions for me on the track, um, on the bike has always been the ones that, that not only you, uh, it's not fear that you respect and the ones that get you alive. Those are the ones that make you wake up at night and go, oh my God, <laughs> what's going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> no, but you do it because that's what you want to do. Without those things, you will get absolutely nowhere. So you look like, a, I mean, you know, your times are obviously have been outstanding. And, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, it is easy to think, you know, that guy is just, just talented. But, you know, as you've said, you've worked really hard to put yourself there. But was there one area that you kind of felt weaker in that you had to put more, more effort and energy into than the others? I had to, because I came from a, a fairly okay running background and obviously a, a very solid uh, cycling background, I had to get my head around the swimming part, specifically the sea swims. So I would go on holiday to the sea and uh, swim in the sea and swim to the shark nets and make sure that the um, lifeguards would either be with me or, right, and they would, often they couldn't get through the breakers. So I would get through the breakers by, my, breakers by myself and swim to the shark nets, say hello to the sharks and swim back. So I made a big effort of acclimatizing and familiarizing, not acclimatizing, familiarizing myself with, with the sea spoke to the guys at the sea, the lifeguards, the, the people that knew the sea well. And so that was part of the, the challenge is to learn and overcome that particular uh, challenge. And, and that's part of the exciting thing is to learn and, and, and become some better at something that you're not all that good at. You know, so um, at the World Champs, we had the best part of 25 Americans that, uh, that I helped in the sea before the race and taught them or showed them what to do. Um, and that was cool because again, we got outside help of people to tell us how the currents work. So I, I'm all about learning things. And um, yeah, so that was a part that I really needed to do. The other part that I really needed to, to get my head around was is how to get off the bike and run the run properly. Um, that took some time to, to understand what I can do and what is required. Was, was nutrition a, um, something you had to kind of learn along the way? Because I've always a bike rider and we ride quite a lot. Um, the answer is yes and no. Um, at first I started eating too much. Because on the bike you really need to eat because you burn calories when you ride your bike like nobody's business. But then I realized that I can go get away with eating a lot less um, and get through the run and... I can balance that. So I went from eating a lot to eating less, which I think most people are the other way around. They eat too little and then they need to learn how to eat and then balance it that way. So the nutrition was, was part of, part of the, the learning curve, um, specifically the gels and the sugar part, um, which, which, you know, I, I, I was a gel guy, as I think most people are, because you get yourself get carried away with the ads and the, the marketing science that's attached to these things, but it's all marketing, right? And I did about a six hour ride the one day and 
didn't have food and I, I bonked, as they would say. And I wasn't going to get home or not at, at least not in good shape. And I had a honey sachet with me that I could not get my head around because honey is pretty powerful and strong. And it's not the type of thing that you just eat because you've got nothing better to do, you know? Um, and I had no choice. So I took the honey sachet out that I carried with me for months. <laughs> and literally within five minutes, I was on fire. And I, I rode back home faster than ever. Well, not faster than ever, but I was just on fire. And from that minute forward, I threw all the gels out the door, started training with the honey, and just embraced the honey situation. And anyone that I coach, I will say, you know, let's, let's try the honey, let's work with the honey, because honey was the one thing that, from a nutritional perspective, changed my world. Top tip. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I, know like, um, I know you like uh, your Bianchis. Yes. Yeah, uh, but was there was there any other kit that was a go to for you, or is go to for you in terms of you know you you got you got you got set set brands that you use for other things? For whatever reason, on the swimming side, I got uh, hooked up with two times you. Yeah, and and the product has worked really well. Um, I do believe there's some other product out there at the moment, uh, wetsuits that are better than than two times you. Um, but, you know, I think it's like anything. My Bianchi and, and Two Times You, specifically the Bianchi situation, comes from uh, friends that have got the brands and distribution rights and um, that have helped me through the time, through the years. And, and you just have the loyalty to, to go and support the people that have supported you. So Bianchi has been great to me and the people around there. And so has Two Times You. You know, the people from Two Times You have been absolutely fantastic uh, through the years. And, and they've got a good quality product. Absolutely no question about it. Okay, so there, there, there are worse brands than Bianchi to, uh, you know, to, to have help in you and you know, to, be, uh, to, to be riding, aren't there? That is 100%. I, th I think the Bianchi thing in the triathlon context is a little bit left of center. That, that shows my DNA being uh, coming from a cycling background. Uh, because the the angle on the Bianchi TT bike is too aggressive for for triathlon and Ironman, so we had to make some changes to that. But I was not going to get uh, another bike; that wasn't not going to work. So we'll just make the. And again, I'm fairly fairly used to riding aggressive angles, so I could do with that. So just to finish off with, and um, you know, for any age groupers listening to this, wanting to move themselves up to the next level, what what three bits of advice would you, you would you give to them? Number one, again, is, is enjoy what you do, right? Um, benchmark yourself. Um, do testing. Do testing. And, and, and never compare yourself to someone else. Benchmark yourself against yourself and improve against yourself. And the only way you're going to do that, the third thing would be to, con to be consistent. So those are the three things. Have fun, benchmark yourself, and be consistent. And if you tick those three boxes... Well, the fourth one would be follow the process. You know, you've got to, you've got to understand what the process is and um, work, work with that. And the process is, is part of that benchmarking or benchmarking is part of the process. Um, you know, I've had a discussion with someone uh, just yesterday uh, explaining how important the process is. You know, uh, Michael Schumacher would, 
could win a Grand Prix and they would say, we've done a fan, you've had a fantastic race. And he would say, no, um, there's a specific corner that I really couldn't get my head around. I couldn't get the lines in and out. And, he, and people look at the outcome. Um, you know, you and me are Liverpool fans. If Liverpool focus on the process, they will win the game. The outcome will come. The outcome will look after itself. And the same for triathlon or any sport. If you follow the process, if you learn to pedal in a round circle, if you, if you learn to run with your feet falling under your hips, if your swim and your stroke is efficient, those are a lot more important. If you got those things covered and you work really hard at the process and focus on that, the results will come. So, you know, at the end of the day, we live in an outcome-based world. We understand that. But the outcome is, is, is secondary, is a function of you understanding and you mastering the process. First, you master the process. Then the outcome will look after itself. Um, Rafael Nadal didn't win the Australian Open because he uh, was outcome-based. Every shot is a process. Every single shot is one shot. And you master that one shot, then we can go to the next next shot. And we're not even we haven't even won a point. We need to step right. We need to focus on the ball. We need to think about placing. This is one shot. You cannot think about the outcome. So have fun. Learn about the process. Get your head around the process. Do the benchmarking, and and be consistent. And even your bad days, be thankful that you're out there doing things on your bad days. So right, some top, top tips there. Andre, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having a chat with you. Thank you for taking time out to, to talk to us. I, I'm lucky enough I'm going to take you for a beer uh, in the near future and be able to tap you for some more information. But for those of you that can't, uh, I'm going to put Andre's um, details of Fifth Dimension Coaching in the show notes and you know, you'll know you be able to get in touch with him and um, you know maybe even get some coaching from the great man if you're lucky. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll see you around in the mud.